This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Good evening, folks. Welcome along to the AA Live radio show. It's a pleasure to be here this evening and to have you here with us. This is the show that explores the ideas behind a way of recovery through Alcoholics Anonymous program. Oops, I just dropped something on the floor. I would like to warmly welcome my co-host, Tony. Tony, how are you? Last time I saw you, we were on Zoom. Yeah, Jan. Hi. Nice to be back in the studio. Yeah, it's awesome, eh? Um, Wow. It it was a bit of a... I don't know. How long were we in lockdown? It felt longer than it probably was. (laughs) Not not long. Not not as long as our friendly counterparts up north. No, well, that's true. Yeah, when you put it, like, again, in perspective... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's um, yeah, so it's good to be in the studio. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. It's great. Yeah, good. You're looking well anyway. So you worked through oh, anyway, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. I carried on working. Yeah. yeah, lovely. All right. Well, look, in all sanity, folks, let's start with the serenity prayer this evening. Go for it. God, God grant, grant me, me the serenity, serenity to, to accept, accept the things, things I cannot change, change. Courage, courage to change, change the things, things I can. can. And, and the wisdom, wisdom to, to know, know the, the difference. difference. Thank you. Look, uh, I think, uh, Jen, what we'll do for our listeners tonight is uh, to talk about what AA is and what AA isn't. Uh, and probably the best way to do that would be through the Alcoholics Anonymous preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who sh- share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is the desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy. Neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics achieve sobriety. Um, and, you know, with that being said, I just want to put out a, um, a bit of a disclaimer that, um, you know, although we do follow uh, the AA literature um, that's central to our show, um, obviously that, you know, when we are talking and sharing, there are our opinions and they might not necessarily be the opinions of Alcoholics Anonymous as a whole. So, um, yeah, just, you know, um, and that's what it's about. It's about sharing um you know, how we see our recoveries and, and sharing our stories. So with that said, let's get on with the show, Jen. I think that sounds like a grand idea. Look, I wonder if you could uh, introduce the daily reflection as a spirit lifter for us today. That is on uh, yesterday's baggage. Goodness me, I carry a couple of bits of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I get so tired. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the reading, uh, daily reflection is called Yesterday's Baggage. Uh, and uh, for the for the wise, all have always known that no one can make much of his life until self-searching becomes a regular habit, until he is able to admit and accept what he finds, and uh, until he patiently and persistently tries to correct what is wrong. And that comes out of the twelve steps and twelve traditions, page eighty-eight. 
I have more than enough to handle today without dragging along yesterday's baggage too. I must balance today's books if I am to stand a chance tomorrow. So I ask myself, have I erred and how can I avoid repeating that particular behaviour? Did I hurt anybody? Did I help anyone and why? Some of today is bound to spill over into tomorrow, but most of it need not if I make an honest daily inventory. Lovely. Thanks, Tony. It always makes you think those uh, little readings. I, I like to start my day with one of those for the day, and yeah. it uh, helps me just have a wee look at where I've been before and uh, analyse where I'm at at that time and how I'm going to live the next 24 hours. Yeah, it's good. I, I find that my, I don't know about you guys, but my mind drifts off and all sorts of things and, and, you know, my problems and worries it can can sort of drift off pretty quick into those things. And I find, you know, the daily refre- uh, readings recenter me um, and offer some inspiration, you know, uh, at the same time. It's almost like um, resetting my thinking in, in a way, you know what I mean? Um, putting it on a higher plane, I guess. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it gets me out of my own skin. And yeah, my, the the committee it. slows down for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's something it. to think yeah, about. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and it's positive, isn't it? Yes, it exactly. Cannot, cannot hurt. Yeah. It cannot hurt. Right, look, I'm going to do a, a reading from the big book today, and it's in the section that uh, the big book, for those that aren't sure of what that I'm talking about, this is uh, our book that we refer to. It has uh, some good guidelines for us. It helps us through each day. It has stories from other Alcoholics and uh, lots of wisdom through it. So I've I've chosen a bit today that is through there is a solution, and it's just an excerpt out of it. So I'm going to have a wee read. You may already have asked yourself why is it that all of us became so very ill from drinking? Doubtless you are curious to discover how and why, in the face of expert opinion to the contrary. We have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. If you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. We shall tell you what we have done. Before going into a detailed discussion, it may be well to summarise some points as we see them. How many times people have said to us, I can take it or leave it alone. Why can't he? Why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit? Or that fellow can't handle his liquor. Why don't you try beer and wine? Lay off the hard stuff. His willpower must be weak. She could stop if she wanted to. She's such a sweet girl. You'd think that uh, he would stop for her. The doctor told him that if he ever drank again, it would kill him. But look at it. He's still all lit up. Now these are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. Back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. We see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. Moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone. Then we have a certain type of hard drinker. He may have the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally. It may cause him to die a few years before his time. If a sufficiently strong reason 
ill health, falling in love, change of environment or the warning of a doctor becomes operative, this man may also stop or moderate, although he may find it difficult and troublesome and may even need medical attention. But what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. Here is the fellow who has been puzzling you, especially in his lack of control. He does absurd, incredible, tragic things while drinking. He is a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He is seldom mildly intoxicated. He is always more or less insanely drunk. His disposition while drinking resembles his normal nature, but little. He may be one of the finest fellows in the world, yet let him drink for a day and he frequently becomes disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. He has a positive genius for getting tight at exactly the wrong moment, particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement kept. He is often perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor, but in that respect he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. He often possesses special abilities, skills and aptitudes and has a promising career ahead of him. He uses his gifts to build up a bright outlook for his family and himself and then pulls the structure down on his head by a senseless series of sprees. He is the fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated he ought to sleep the clock around. Yet, early next morning he searches madly for the bottle he misplaced the night before. If he can afford it, he may have liquor concealed all over the house to be certain no one gets his entire supply away from him to throw down the waste pipe. As matters grow worse, he begins to use a combination of high-powered sedative and liquor to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. Then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. Perhaps he goes to a doctor who gives him a sedative with which to taper off. Then he begins to appear at hospitals and sanitariums. This is by no means a comprehensive picture of the true alcoholic, as our behaviour patterns vary, but this description should identify him roughly. Yes. I read that and I saw bits of myself in that. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's quite a quite a bedtime story, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Some of you might not get a wink of sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you might have a committee going off. But it's interesting, one of the things I... Remember and always remember when going into um, first going into AA is to look at the similarities and not the differences. And I see mm. many similarities in myself there with certain things. Yeah, I mean the, the Alcoholics Anonymous, well, big book as it's called. You know, it's it's written by alcoholics for alcoholics, and I think that's why so many people. Um, you know, who uh, have been baffled by alcohol uh, identify with it because you can see your behaviours and the way you've approached things. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 while you were reading that, Jen, I thought, that, you know, the, the words were written about me because, uh, again, I too had, had quite a few similarities with, with, with the author uh, of that writing, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's sparking memories now of um, 
the way I behaved with alcoholism. I think, you know, I think this is it. Uh, you know, we people misunderstand alcoholics because they see the behaviour and the behaviour is so in your face and upfront and abhorrent and it, and, it, and it generates frustration and anger and these these powerful feelings uh, for the people around the alcoholic um, that, that uh, you know, if somebody had cancer, um, you know, you can't see cancer a lot of the time in people, but you would go, hey, I, you know, is there anything I can do? Can I help? Um, you know, and people have empathy for, you know, people who, who are sick in that way, but not so for the alcoholic. <laughs> that is so true because yep, our behaviour is so disruptive yeah, too. That, that's right. The alcoholic is very sick and, and is not like um, like other other men, you know, or other people, um, and yet it generates feelings of animosity and, and stuff. And it's quite a cruel disease on, on the family, you know, on the alcoholic and the family uh, and the people surrounding the alcoholic, um, yeah, because uh, you know that's why alcoholics are often, you know, uh, the, the burnt all the bridges by the time they they see us. <laughs> and I, I certainly was that way when I came in, um, you know. So anyway, that, that, I guess that's what that those that reading sort of uh, inspired for me, you know. No, I think you're quite correct there. The, the burning of the bridges, and like you say, it's a uh, if if you'd had a limb taken off or something like that, people would notice it and see it. But the behaviour that comes from an alcoholic, you know, while some can be incredibly happy, jovial people, some can be very uh, can can be the complete opposite. And so it does tend to alienate. By the time they do come into, uh, well, I know for myself, by the time I came into AA, I wasn't. I was a drinker who drank alone. I, I had alienated myself, and uh, you cut off a lot of people. And yeah, you it do. Harms um, people. Yeah, the reality was I had my employer asking serious questions about my mental health and my drinking habits. I had, you know, interventions with medical professionals, and I remember fighting them all. Mm. I remember, you know, it was the Alamo. It was me versus the world. You know, if they could just get on with their lives and leave me alone, everything would be fine. I mean, this is the cruelness of the disease. We we know something's wrong, but we're not. We're just, we're not, we don't fully, and I said, well, I didn't fully comprehend the enormity of what was happening to me. Yeah, I agree the, completely, yes, I agree. Uh, and I was often the last one to know, fighting all the way. <laughs> well, that's why we all have different rock bottoms too. Yes. Because some of us can, yeah, like you say, you, you know, you can lose everything or you can, just be just before yeah. that last bridge is burnt. You know, there's certain levels. Everybody is different. Well, that's right. The the, the point isn't who's got the worst story. Mm. The point is when enough is enough. enough. That's mm. the point. And you know, um, although I've identified cancer, what I'm really talking about is sickness in general. Yes. An illness when people are ill. There's empathy for for from the ones that are well to to want to encourage people to get well. But you know. Uh, there are definitely some a lot of hurdles with the alcoholic <laughs> and wanting and desiring the same thing. Oh, how lovely we are! No, we are lovely. We are lovely. Well, we are. We're, we're, we're sober. just very troubled, but sober. Yeah, we're sober. Fantastic. You know, and like, and like you know, like the reading said, you know, in every other aspect or most other aspects, you know, just like everybody else, um, you know, reasonable judgment, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but when it comes to alcohol, just, there's no breaks, there's no boundaries, there's no, it's just, there's just a 
Carnage. Blight. <laughs> <laughs> It's not good, is it? Right, no. I think we should have a little bit of music. Tony's picked something today, um, REM. We've got all the right friends. I don't want you anymore. How was that? That was a bit of harsh, that one. Well, it's about all the right friends, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and if anything, well, yeah, okay. Look, folks, you're listening to the AA Live Radio Show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. It is a pleasure to have you here this evening. We've got a special interview coming up with the, a lovely lady called Linda. Now, this is Linda's story. As a woman in alcohol, uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, and it is by one of our past uh, roving reporters, Tonto, also known as Marty. You may hear her say that a little bit. But uh, folks, look, enjoy this story. She's a, a wonderful person. I really enjoy listening to Linda and, and the wiseness that she has to share. So thank you. Oh, good evening. Uh, my name's Linda, and I'm a recovering alcoholic. 
Well, I started drinking probably when I was about 16, and um, and to begin with, yes, it was. It was, you know, Saturday night drinking and parties and fun, and, and I loved it. And I loved everything about, you know, what went with drinking. And, um, and it was, you know, a long time ago now when I had my first drink, so um, it was in the days of six o'clock closing, so some of you will remember <laughs> that far back and um, you know and yeah and we went to the pub at sort of like four-ish and drank till six and then went home and um, you know and that's what you did and uh, and that was fine I tried to be as and what you'd call a normal drinker but I also remember um, you know once I got my first drink once I had my first drink and it was into my system I very quickly started to want more because I felt good so I wanted to feel better and you know and that was the effect that alcohol had on me it also made me feel quite relaxed around people because I was quite nervous around people and quite fearful of social occasions didn't know how to behave and things like that so alcohol was the was the solution for me in those days Hmm. but yeah when I when I think back it um you know I went along quite quite easily for quite some time um but yeah, just thinking back to, um, you know, as time went on and I, you know, grew on and got older and stuff like that, I found, I'm probably getting away from a wee bit here, but I found that, um, you know, the drinks that I was having weren't enough to satisfy me. I wanted more. I wanted more, so I drank more, and it was when I started drinking more that things started to happen, and I started to have, I started to have periods of time um, where I couldn't remember. I, you know, I would be drinking, and and um, and then the next day when I would think back over the night because I always drank at home at night, and I'd think I can't remember. Did I have tea? I can't remember. I remember cooking it, but did I eat it and things like that. So this is when it started to turn for me. I had what I now know to be called a blackout. I had a period of time where I was on my feet, but not functioning, but not remembering being there. So, yeah. And I was just thinking back to, you know, for myself as a woman, you know, a mother, a wife, um, a church-going woman, things like that, the, the... the way that I would feel about myself just absolutely wrecked any self-esteem that I had. I felt very um, like I was really letting myself down and and yet I could. there was nothing I could do about it because once I picked up that first drink, I wanted to have more. So I was caught in that situation. And towards the end of my drinking, those blackout periods that I talked about, they became more frequent um, and closer together. That was, that was how I, you know, the progression there was, um, yeah, it was sort of... And, and I got to the point where... Um, if I couldn't drink and go right to the end and get myself absolutely blotto and drunk, then I wouldn't drink at all. I was in that sort of all or nothing. And and if I went places where there were alcohol, where there was alcohol and people were drinking, and I had decided, well, this isn't. It's not. I'm going to drink and get drunk, and I can't do that here. This is not good. You know, I'd be with my husband or something. And um, but I wasn't a happy person because what happened was I would still I would feel uncomfortable around people and I had nothing to take that away so I was always pleased to get 
away from there and home, you know, that sort of. Um, and then when I'd go home, I'd drink and get myself absolutely blotto. So it was just, it was awful. And that was kind of how it went on. And the thing too was, again, being a wife and a mother, um, my family started to become very concerned about my drinking and the way it was affecting me, but affecting them. And and that was awful. Uh, these these were some of the, um, the things that did spin me round at the end, you know, so yeah. Right at the end of my drinking, I mean, I continued to drink on for, you know, for a good number of years and tried to control it, but that never was ever successful. And, um, but I had, I had this idea that maybe one day I'd get it right, you know, and I'd be able to have three drinks and stop and be happy. And that never happened. And as we know, this is a progressive illness, so it progressed on in me. And I suppose really, the, you know, when I think about it, um, the last time that I drank, which, you know, was a while ago now, um, the the effects of that were, were absolutely shocking. And this was the thing that spun me around was like, you know, I've shared about the family. And, and I think for me, you know, I was too afraid to look at myself um, and what I was doing. So for me, I would be pointing the finger at them and saying, well, if you did this and you did that, then I probably wouldn't need to drink so much. So I was taking, putting the responsibility on them away from myself, and that was terrible, as I understand now. So what the point I'm making is, is that the last time that I drank, <clears throat> I drank, I was quite an angry woman for most of my life, and um, I drank on my anger. I remember feeling incredibly angry and drinking on my anger, and and I was angry with my husband and my daughter, and um, and so I let loose and this was what really spun me around was I threw a glass of wine at my daughter and for me that was my absolute rock bottom not at the time but it was the next day when I was confronted by my family um, that was that was the point that was the point where I knew for the first time ever that there was something wrong with me I knew it was like a deep knowing that I had and I could no longer be looking out to them you know when I um the, the last time I drank and then the next day when I woke up out of this coma because I used to drink until I was so drunk I'd just pass out and then I'd wake up out of you know and I woke up the next day and it was it was you know my life was absolutely an absolute mess there was just no other way to describe it you know and um, and my husband and my daughter are standing there looking at me and saying, you know, what are you going to do about your drinking? And I thought, I have no idea. I have no idea. And, you know, but I had that deep feeling that there was something wrong with me. And I'm so grateful that I had that thought because that was the thought that made me reach out. It, you know, the, what you talked about, Martin, you know, the shame and the guilt that, that you feel, I felt it was that was what was crippling me, perhaps not so much that I did. I maybe I didn't want to stop drinking, but I could not live with those feelings, and I had to drink to take those feelings away. And so again, I'm on that treadmill. I just can't get off and drink more, get drunk, feel the feelings. It was just a vicious cycle, really. And I had been talking to a friend about my drinking for some time. It was a person that I had worked with alcoholics and. Um, 
and I wouldn't I didn't talk to him specifically because of that. He was just someone that I got to know and he was a learned man and a much older man than myself and you know, a religious man and so I spoke to him about it and then he was the person that I rang the next day and said there's something very wrong with me and he said to me, Oh well, I know dear <laughs> He said, I know. In fact, he'd known for some time that I was alcoholic, but he had to, again, like you said, Martin, I had to come to that place myself. I had to feel, I had to get there where I could reach out because nobody, if my family had said to me, you're an alcoholic and you need to go to Alcoholics Anonymous, I probably would have told them to go away, you know, because what would you know? So it was really important for me to know that for once there was something not right within myself. Yeah. So what happened for then, I was a really fortunate woman because, um, you know, I had developed a trust in him and so I was able to talk quite freely to him about what was happening and he knew of a person who was a recovering alcoholic in Alcoholics Anonymous. So he set up for me to talk to this person about my drinking and um, but the important thing for me was that that person put me at ease by talking about the, his own drinking. He too was another religious man and that it was a shock for me because I mean I can say you know I was a, I'm a Catholic or you know I was a Catholic and you know this this man was a Catholic priest and here he is an alcoholic and I mean it, it knows no bounds it would reach, reach out and touch anyone um, so when he was sharing with me about his drinking um, I immediately began to feel that for the first time in my life I wasn't completely Completely alone, that there was someone else um, that you know had experienced similar. Not like you said, Martin, looking for the similarities, not the differences, because we had a lot of differences. I mean, I was a married woman and a mother, and he's a Catholic priest, so there were huge differences. But the but the common denominator was the drink. It was the fact that we couldn't control our drinking and then when we took a drink we wanted more. It set up that compulsion to drink more. So it, he immediately helped me to feel at ease and, um, and, and you know, after spending time with him, um, he said to me, you know, there is help for you. I hadn't heard of Alcoholics Anonymous at all um, and yet it's ironic really because I grew up in an alcoholic family but there was no recovery in my family because it was years ago and that sort of thing. Mum and Dad drank themselves to death basically. So, um, yeah, so that, but he said there was recovery but I was a really fortunate woman too in that it was way back in 1989 and um I got the chance to go to Queen Mary Hospital in Hamlet Springs and that was where I went for six weeks and learnt about myself as an alcoholic and learnt about Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, the programme of recovery in the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. So that's kind of where it, you know, it took me. Hmm. And we'll just take a wee break from that. I am going to play some Solarosa. Now this is a New Zealand band that I heard oh, several years ago. I saw them in the collection today and I thought, yes, we could do with a bit of that. So let's have a listen. He's high fidelity, he moves me in ways I can't repeat. I'm oxygen deprived, green on the edge and red on the inside. I'm so lost in choice, all of it mine, no room for recourse. Life through pastel shades, we turn the glittering into beige. It's all so loveless. Loveless, so full of love and none 
at night without any light As I wait for a cause All of them mine and none of them yours You bet the eye of truth We all agree but refuse to move It's all so loveless It's all so empty Welcome back, folks. That actually was not the song I chose, but we got to party down a little bit in here anyway. (laughs) Right, we're going to continue on with Linda's uh, interview. I hope you're enjoying that. Enjoy. Well, coming into AA, um, as I said, I was introduced first to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings in Hamner because part of the programme in, at the hospital there was that we had to attend a meeting once a week um, in the village and so that was where I first went to a meeting and um, I found it, to begin with, I found it quite overwhelming because not only was I um, recovering from you know alcohol abuse but I was also recovering from um, prescription drug addiction as well. So the ability for me to um, maintain, hold anything was quite hard and I saw the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous on the wall and I remember looking and thinking I'll never remember them. <laughs> 
little did I know that eventually they would become a way of life. But I just, it, that was my fear. I thought, oh, I thought, oh. And I mean, in those days, I was st- I was full of fear because you know, like I went to Queen Mary, and six weeks in there, basically all I had done was put down the drink. I hadn't didn't have any recovery going yet, so all of my insecurities and fears were still very much alive in me. So put in a situation like that in a room full of people and these twelve steps on the wall, and I thought, oh, I don't know, but. I knew that this was the way, that this was the way to go, that if I wanted to stop drinking and stay stopped, then I had to put, take the drink out, I had to put something else in my life and that was made very clear to me as it is said in meetings too, you know, you can't just take something and not put something in. So, But anyway, I did sit through the meeting, I sat through that meeting, I listened to people talk and the wonderful thing that happened in that meeting was people were talking about me, they were talking about what happened to them when they drank and I just so identified. So again, you know, there was that feeling of a part of, I no longer felt alone. Maybe I have to speak correctly and stuff, but you know, now I know that just to be myself, and I think that's one of the gifts too that I've received in my recovery from alcoholism, that in Alcoholics Anonymous, I want to have to be as me. And all I can do is tell you what it was like for me and what happened and what it's like now. And I mean, you know, I. with, you know, that time in Hamner and, and looking at the 12 steps and all that, you know, I needed that time. And, and one of the things I, one of the things that happened for me was when I left there after six weeks, uh, during the time that I was in there, it was quite lovely because my family, you know, they often say the alcoholic's the last one to know. I remember ringing my family and the first time I said in a meeting, my name's Linda and I'm an alcoholic, I cried for about 20 minutes afterwards because it was such a relief to get it out. I finally had spoken the truth, and but I'd only just so recently become aware of the truth, but I finally spoke it. And so I rang my family, various family members, my lovely adult children and said to them, you know, I've got such good news. I've got something to tell you. I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) And they said, we already knew that. (laughs) My daughter had done a questionnaire in in one of the women's magazines, you know, do you think you have someone who's an alcoholic? And she got 20 questions right. So she already knew, but I didn't. And she told me sometime later that she'd done that. So, But for me, it was the best news. It was the best news I had to give. I had it finally. I had an answer. This is what was wrong, you know. So, yeah. You know, I could never, um, when I compare my life as a drinking alcoholic now and compare my life as a sober alcoholic, I remember going out with my husband, you know, um, to social thing, social events, and I wouldn't drink before I left because I knew damn well that a couple of drinks and I'd be just about on my ear because as I went on in my drinking, I my tolerance for alcohol did get a lot less, so it would only take a few drinks and I'd be you know wobbly and um, so if we went anywhere socially I'd be in, around other people I was so nervous I just couldn't stand the way I was feeling um, you know and I never thought I'd ever be any different I never thought and look here I am today doing this is amazing and I've done some amazing things in my recovery life things that I've always wanted to do but never thought I could do I didn't have the courage or the um, you know the self-worth and stuff like that to do and that's completely changed in my life today I'm a totally different woman to the woman that I was I'm I am myself I'm real today. I'm real, and um, and that's amazing. I I just find 
you know, that life continually gets better. It just gets better. It's a joy for me today to be able to say that the program of Alcoholics Anonymous totally reunited me with my family and, like, with my husband. Um, you know, he said to me sometime later, you know, he said, I said to him, how come you never left me? How come you... And he said, because he could see the good in me, he knew it was there, but alcohol was obscuring that. And so we did get to talk about those things and my daughter. And, um, you know, so that, because for a lot of us end up where we lose everything and we lose our families. And I was a fortunate woman. It was what Martin said at the start, I didn't have to go right to the bottom. I went far enough and I reached my own rock bottom, but... I didn't lose my family or my standing in society. You know, like I worked and I, you know, outside appearances would say, how could she be an alcoholic? Look at the way she functions. But it's that's that's not what it's about, really, because we're very good at hiding things. And I'm sure if you're an alcoholic, you'll know what I'm talking about. So, you know, but the, but the re, being reunited with the family has been one of my greatest joys in my sobriety and my recovery life. And, um, and my husband, like, you know, he was with me for nine years of my drinking. So the rest of my life has been sober with him. And so through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, I've been able to clear away all that wreckage and rectify and then and make the necessary amends to my family as a sober woman. Um, and it's been so, it was invaluable. It was painful to go through it, but it was, it's been invaluable because, um, as I say, we just, we reunited and it was, you know, it was just wonderful. And, you know, <clears throat> it is a family illness. It's, you know, I see it there. I have a son in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous now. And so, you know, all of this all of this stuff is just, I can't honestly, my gratitude for what's happened for me with my family has been incredible. And, um, and I know them in a totally different way, you know. And, and again, being in Queen Mary Hospital was a really fortunate thing for me because in there I had to do the first step. And as you said, it's the first the step that you have to do so thoroughly. I mean, I can't move on to the next one. And for me to admit to my innermost self that I'm alcoholic was essential. Oh, my goodness. That was what they said to me in there. For you to live a sober life, Linda, you have to have complete abstinence and total surrender to the Alcoholics Anonymous program. So that went through me just before. And, you know, um, and that's proved to be the case. Hmm. Well, if you, yeah, look, if you think you've got a problem, I mean, and it was said to me, if you think you've got a problem, then you've got a problem. <laughs> That's all there is about it, you know. And, and I, you know, I would say, like, Martin's made available all those different ways of contacting Alcoholics Anonymous. I would strongly suggest that you do that. It's terrifying in the beginning, but the fear, you know, eventually you just overcome that. And the relief then is amazing to be able to, just reach out and to admit to yourself, first of all, that things are not right, that your life isn't how you really want it, and then to reach out. Because that was one of the things I found that I didn't know, you know, once I got myself through that fear, when I rang that man the next morning after my drinking, I was afraid. I mean, I certainly wasn't talking like I am here now. I mean, I was a terrified woman. Um, but once I'd done it, it was like it was over. It was an incredible 
I'd, you know, I'd spoken the truth, even though I didn't quite know what the truth was at that time. I'd spoken it because I was admitting defeat. It's like you said, surrender to win. And help was on its way. It was on its way. And that's what's been my experience, you know, in this program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Whenever I reach out for myself and ask for help, it's there. So I would encourage you to... If you, you know, think you have a problem to do that and then see what happens from there because it will only be good. It will only be good here. Well, that was a wonderful interview. Thank you, uh, Linda, for your time and to uh, Tonto for his time too. I just want to do a a reading here, folks, called Spot Checking. This is out of As Bill Sees It, which is uh, an AA way of life. It's a selected writings from the AA's co-founder. A spot check inventory taken in the midst of disturbances can be a very great help in quieting stormy emotions. Today's spot check finds its chief application to situations which arise in each day's march. The consideration of long-standing difficulties had better be postponed, when possible, to times deliberately set aside for that purpose. The quick inventory is aimed at our daily ups and downs, especially those where people or new events throw us off balance and tempt us to make mistakes. Mm, I think it's a great reading. Yeah, it's interesting. See, the thing I didn't realise when uh, I was actively using and drinking uh, and numbing myself and medicating myself um, was that at some, in some level I was, uh, uh, the feelings I had were, were quite overwhelming. Um, and, you know, everyone's got theories on why they're alcoholics and stuff, you know, why, why it is. But, I mean, I, I, I see evidence when I'm, when I'm in the sharing of other people that it informs me that this person's a very sensitive person meaning you know uh, things stick you know words words and what people say actually and in my experience too that's what happens to me words can linger in my head and 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 you know in a day I can have four seasons emotionally you know what I mean Um, absolutely up and down and sideways on the emotional front and um, and you know I, I think this is where inventory and spot checking step four and five stuff really comes into its own you know it's about coming becoming self-aware and under, understanding ourselves as people you know um and you know it's not about you know i keep on saying you know folks i'm trying not to do that <laughs> it's about uh stopping and assessing where i am in a day and if something's going wrong you know it's about that pause actively making a pause in my day, assessing what's happening, is there anything um, I can do to change that? Are you referring to the effects your behaviour is having on other people? Yeah, it can be. Or it can be the other way around. It can be, uh, you know, because we're all uh, not well to an extent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, alcoholic and non alike, you know. Um, we're all people that are, um, you know, are hurting in some form deep down, you know. Um and so people can lash out at me um, for their own stuff, you know. Yes. Uh, so it's about quietening, you know, stopping, assessing, you know, is there something I need to do or not need to do, um, as opposed to storing it inside me and then when I can get a drink in me and going, 
angry at the world, angry at the world. You well, know? and also taking on other people's issues because yeah, I don't know about you, but me personally, I used to try and mend everybody else's issues while leaving mine alone. Yeah, I, I did too, and it's quite a selfish thing because I wanted a nice world to live in. I'm, I'm one, and I have to fix you, so so the environment for me is is good. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, which is the, yeah, the, the, this this um, you know, yeah rescuing. Yeah, 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 rescuing. That's the word. Mm. Um, as a recovered and recovering alcoholic, meaning you know the journey's never over. Um, I know I don't have to do that today. I have everything that I need, and if I don't, I know the well to drink from that's actually safe, you know, and that's Alcoholics Anonymous, and talk to a, uh, another person on the journey and listen to what people have to say as opposed to charging ahead thinking you're right. <laughs> I recognise that one because, um, of course, we charge ahead like that because we feel we need to control everything because everything inside us and everything about us in our, in our bubble of our own worlds feels like a crazy world. Unless yeah. we control it, it's all going to fall apart. It's going to go nuts. And for me, that was the reason to have another drink. I, I, yes. I needed to relax. It was my time to relax. I'd been out in the world saving it and <laughs> causing more drama, whatever I was doing, <laughs> and I needed to, where I could find a safe place, often come home and have a drink because it was my right. To, to relax now and once I <laughs> once I, I started to work the program in the 12 steps and attend you know Alcoholics Anonymous I began to see uh, myself as I was and and although it's a bitter pill to swallow at the start it's a necessary step to be able to make those changes um, and as I made those changes I, I noticed the more peace and serenity I was starting to experience you know and I realised that uh, I could be objective when other people were raging, um, you know. And I'm not saying it's a perfect world. Sometimes I'm confused. I don't quite get it. But I know I can pause yes. and I can stop today. And I know if things are going badly, I know that it's this too shall pass. It's only for a time. Or I can stop and we can start again, you know. I can start again at any time. And, um, and that's what, I guess, has come out of the failures of relapsing you know, uh, has taught me, I can start again, I can get back on the horse, I can try again, you know, as opposed to, it's all over, (laughs) the world's crashed, (laughs) you know, disaster, disaster. Absolutely. Poor me. And, um, you know, it's not like that today. Uh, And I was one of the greatest sceptics. I felt like I'd seen everything. And whatever these guys are peddling, I I know better. It's all BS. It won't work. (laughs) And I'm still here today because it actually does. (laughs) It really works. Stick around, you know. Yeah, it's worth definitely coming back. I must say, I, I, uh, yeah, I too learned all of those differences in how to approach life and that I didn't need to go out and and rule it and direct it and so forth. I could stand back and just look at it uh, and it was uh, an eye-opener, that's for sure, and life has become a lot more relaxing, (laughs) Uh, a little bit more serene. Yeah, Uh, I've still got a long way to go. I think it's never something, you know, I'll never stop learning from this. I think most active alcoholics reach the end game, and the end game is simply this. You know, I can't live with drinking. It's destroying me. Mm. And then the alternative's even worse. I can't live without it. And uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I think... It, 
through a series of, uh, of you know suggestions. Uh, there are no rules. You don't have to do this. It's not down to the letter. Um, but through a series of suggestions, um, you know, it gives you a new way of looking at life. And through that new way of looking at life, it's a life that that I've found that I can live comfortably now. Um, I don't have to look in the mirror and loathe the behaviours that that's, have sat inside me, you know, um, and thinking this is it, uh, because it's not, you know. Um. Absolutely, I agree. It's 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 always a pleasure to sit in the studio with Tony, and, and uh, you see, um, you guys can't see this, but his eyes do twinkle at times, and he is, uh, um, from photos that I have seen of Tony from years ago to the person that I see sitting before me this evening, two completely different people so uh, you know I can only wish Tony the best in life and on that note Tony would you like to do our closing acknowledgements for us for the, for the evening thank you yeah sure you know um, perhaps our listeners uh, are sitting at home some of us are sitting at home tonight and um, and, and um, you know this has really resonated what can I do you know um, so I just want to remind everybody that if you do want to drink, you know, that's your business. That's perfectly okay. But if you want to stop, we can actually help. And um, if you want to get in, make that first step and get in touch uh, with Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, one of the ways to do that is the 0800 AA Works, and that's 0800 2296 um, And, you know, if you ring, your person will answer the phone and you can have a chat uh, about, about what's on your mind. Knowing um, that that person is also an alcoholic, yeah, so it's that's right. not and like you're going in yeah, cold. That, that's right, yeah. So, yeah, that's right. The, the person that answers the phone actually has an idea of what you might be going through. Um, so you, you can do that. Uh, there's also um, the AA Intergroup, uh, and you can visit the website, which is aaotago.org.nz. Um, we have uh, the old way of doing things. You can still post... Uh, a letter to the Otago Intergroup, which is PO Box uh, six one one five, Dunedin North, Dunedin nine zero five nine, and there's also the national website, which can give you a good overview and um, uh, a good. It's quite informative about what Alcoholics Anonymous is, uh, but it's it's on a national level. You can find all the meetings in your local area as well, so uh, it's a good place to go. It's great. It has a questionnaire on it that you can do, and that will evaluate you. It'll give you an idea of whether you should be, you know, maybe AA is something you should be looking at um, to help you through life. Yeah, so it's, it's a great website. It's got a lot of a lot of. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of Tools. good information. It's mm. a good place to start, eh? Mm. And um, so uh, you can find that uh, on the website, and that's aa.org.nz, a really simple one, and that'll take you to the national website. Um, that's you know. wonderful. Thank you, Tony. And uh, I'd like to thank you for being on the show with me this evening. It's yeah. been a pleasure. Likewise, yeah. It's no, lovely to be time. back in the studio. Yes, it is. Yeah. And we do still feel for you folks up there on Level 3. Mm. Look, we'll all get vaccinated and, and we'll all be out at the beach partying together. Let's just get it done. Yeah, these are the, marvellous times we live in, aren't they? Mm, um, very yeah, different. Yeah. So, folks, thanks for joining us this evening. We hope you've enjoyed the show and, and uh, it's uh, given you an hour of, I was going to say fun, but uh, 
could be just a well, hour like of development, maybe. Well, but. you know, we are fun as well. You know, we, we are talking about a serious topic, but there is much laughter and fun. You know, you know, <laughs> there we, is. Al- alcoholics that are sober genuinely have learned to laugh at themselves, and but my goodness, there's nothing yeah. nothing more hearty than a good laugh. I, I didn't laugh a lot before I came no, to AA, I I and now I laugh a lot. Yeah, yeah, I was a miserable old cow. Yeah, there's no need to be miserable now. <laughs> All right, folks. Until next time, we look forward to hearing from you then. Please do drop us a line on that P.O. Box 6115. Tony and I always love to hear a little bit of feedback. So we're going to go out with a song now from Morchiba. Enjoy that and enjoy the rest of your evening, folks. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Please, please, please.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.